Buzz, brought to you by electricianslibrary.com, where we're building the world's largest online informational resource for the electrical trades, including product videos, data sheets, stories, and more. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash electricianslibrary, and follow us on Twitter at electriclibrary. Now, on with the show. Welcome back, Buzz Nation. You're listening to the Weekly Buzz, Episode 4. So today, uh, we're going to talk about a few things, but as this uh, podcast kind of evolves and grows, uh, I'm going to, you know, of course, formats may change until we get to the to the best way to do this. Um, and so I've, I've added a few things and going to try to, uh, of course, add some more education and uh, a little more value for for you guys out there, and um, so the, the format that I've kind of uh, adopted now is uh, you know I'm gonna try to gonna try to throw in you know a little definition, uh, a little bit of code change, um, any kind of little stories, uh, you know. And like I say, the the uh, format of this is. Probably going to change several times over the over the lifetime of this podcast, but we'll give this a shot and uh, see how it goes. So, uh, the definition of the week this week is, and I, I just thought this was very interesting because of some uh, instances that I've had with uh, inspectors in the past. But the definition that I picked this week is the definition out of the NEC of approved. Now, the definition of approved is acceptable to the authority having jurisdiction. Uh, so that is their definition for approved. The only question I have for that is, um, you know, with, it's acceptable to the authority having jurisdiction, but is that to everybody in that jurisdiction or just is every inspector or authority different? And I just say that because I've been on several projects where, We'll go in and we'll have an inspector come in and pass off one phase of the project. But then, you know, a couple weeks later when we've completely moved on, they, uh, they'll send a different inspector out and they basically unapprove what the last inspector did and uh, decide to throw in their own things that need to be changed. And, you know, it's just interesting because they leave it up to the local authorities, but a lot of times these local authorities don't uh, don't have their stuff together and aren't uh, aren't very consistent with what they're doing. So, anyways, I just think that's a very interesting definition, and obviously every place is going to be different and have their own way of doing things. But maybe uh, maybe as a trade out there, we can help them figure out how to how to uh, you know be more consistent, I guess, so that when uh, when something is considered acceptable, it's, it's acceptable to all, and you don't have to question if you're going back through and seeing something seeing something uh, completely different than the last guy did. So, anyway, something to keep in mind out there if there's any inspectors listening, and uh, definitely for for you guys in the trade, um, you know, obviously try to be as professional about it as you can, but. Maybe nudge the inspectors along if they don't have a consistent way of doing things and, and try to help them out because it's just going to help your life out and be a little easier too. So, uh, Moving on, the, uh, the code change for this week. Um, and it's probably not exactly a code change, 
but it's the first first thing that I noticed highlighted as I uh, as I opened the code book. But it's in uh, section ninety point one, and it says this code is not intended as a design specification or an instruction manual for untrained persons. So obviously, there's a lot of people out there who think that they can just go out and buy the uh, 2014 NEC or any NEC in the past and it's going to teach them how to be an electrician and you and I both know that, that is not the case and it's just funny that they have to put that in the in the code so uh, just got a little chuckle out of that when uh, when I was flipping through the code book so then I asked uh, a couple days ago I asked on uh, on a Facebook forum what uh, what's one of the worst accidents you've ever seen in the electrical industry uh, in your in your time being an electrician and uh, had a gentleman named Mike Parson uh, comment on there and this is this is his words this uh, this does not sound like a uh, a very fun thing to have happen but uh, he says a friend of mine got hung up on the shared neutral of a couple of two, 277s on top of a 10-foot A-frame ladder with a mini mag light in his teeth. He went unconscious, his body went limp, and uh, pulled him loose from the ladder. Uh, he fell with the light still locked in his mouth. When he hit the ground, it shattered five teeth, and he got third-degree burns on both hands, and he ended up, of course, with a new grill. And so, uh, I, I asked for these stories because, you know, that safety is such a key factor out there and it's so important. So just remember what you're doing, you know, if said he's on top of a 10 foot A-frame ladder, obviously that's probably not something you want to be doing. Uh, I know somebody whose brother fell off of a five foot ladder and it killed him. So just be careful out there. Remember, you know, the safety, use your PPE and uh, make sure that you're uh, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You don't need to be getting any teeth replaced and and such. So today's topic um, I thought would be kind of interesting, and it's probably going to be a really obvious one to everybody out there, but uh, an interesting one nonetheless. <clears throat> I I want to talk about UL listings for just a minute. So, what really is the purpose of uh, of having a UL listing? So, like I say, one of those really obvious things, having a UL listing is, uh, is a whole safety thing, okay? It, uh, the UL has been, was formed for the, re, the purpose of keeping consumers and, and uh, installers safe out there. So, let's, let's just have a, have a quick history of UL. So, UL, of course, is short for Underwriters Laboratory. Um, they test and approve products for consumer safety, and they've been doing it ever since 1894. They were originally known as the Underwriters Electrical Bureau that was founded in Chicago by William Merrill, but they've now expanded to over 182 service centers in more than 70 countries. So they, uh, they've got a pretty wide range, pretty, pretty wide breadth of things that they test. They perform safety testing on you know, over 18,000 categories of electrical, mechanical, and chemical products. And I was just looking at their site, and they got their listing on over, it's like 2 billion products 
and uh, you know they're I mean they're out there making sure everybody's safe. But how can we how how exactly do you guarantee that just because it's got the UL listing on it that it's going to be safe? You know, one of the questions that I was wondering is, you know, are these guys getting paid by the by the product manufacturers to just slap their label on it and and uh, say it's safe, and then you know they walk away with uh, lots of padding in their pocket for saying it's safe, and then the consumers are out there, uh, the consumers are out there, you know, getting hosed because they're the ones out there getting getting hurt by the products. Well, according to them. Um, since the Underwriters Laboratory is a third-party, not-for-profit organization, they never have any kind of financial interest in any products that they evaluate. So it's not, you know, they claim that it's not a superficial um, sales ploy. You know, it's a true in- indication of the item's operational safety. So they've taken their time to do their research and to do the testing to make sure that these things, uh, these things are safe. And one other thing about the UL is they, they don't just stop there. They, uh, they kind of go the extra mile. Um, even after the initial ratings have been, have been achieved, uh, every once in a while the manufacturers are going to get an unannounced visit from the UL reps. And they, uh, they evaluate the products that have already been listed and determine if they are still meeting up to those safety standards. And if it's a... If it's a uh, if it's a listed item that they found not to be safe anymore, then those uh, that listing is yanked. They take it away. And uh, I actually ran into this with uh, with a customer um, just a few weeks ago. He's a he's a panel builder, and uh, he's a UL listed shop, which means everything that he does has to have the UL listing on it, and if there's anything that goes into his panel boards or into his panels that aren't listed, then, then he gets that yanked. And so he called the other day looking for a ground bus or a ground bar and uh, it had to be UL listed ground bar. Well, I've never even looked at, looked for one of those before. And he had to search and search and search um, because he had a, uh, a drop in inspection and the inspector said, if you don't find these ground bars, then, you know, I'm going to have to yank your listing. So they they do they do do those things, and uh, you know that's just one experience that I've heard of that actually happening, and that was you know five minutes down the road for me. So um, very interesting uh, the way that they do this. So let's talk about a couple of the guidelines that uh, that they go by. Um, you know they've got six different uh, categories listed here, and I'm not going to read in depth into them, but just kind of give you an overview of what you're looking at if you ever see the. If you ever see the UL um, logo on uh, on any of these products, so the first thing it lists is the UL listing. Okay, UL listing means that UL has tested representative samples of the product and determined that it meets UL's requirements. These requirements are based primarily on UL's published and nationally recognized standards for safety. Um, so it sounds like. A representative sample to me looks like they don't obviously test everything that comes off the assembly line, but they test, uh, you know, a certain number from a certain batch. And, uh, you know, so that way they can, they can, I guess, generally say that, uh, that this product is, is going to meet those listings. 
So the second one is a UL classification. Okay, that first one is a listing. This one's a classification. So this says UL classification means that UL has tested and evaluated samples of your product with respect to certain properties of the product. UL classifies products to applicable UL requirements, standards for safety, standards of other national and international organizations. Um, it, it notes here, so evaluate samples of your product with respect to certain properties. So maybe the entire thing is not ULS, UL listed, but uh, certain properties of the product are. Um, says it's important to use the UL classification mark only accompanied by a statement indicating that specific spo scope of the classification and a control number. So you have to uh, say when you put that classification on there, what parts of that, what scope of the product are actually UL classified. So here, uh, here we go to the next one. It's called a UL performance verification. So a UL performance verification means that UL has tested and evaluated samples of your product, typically against a specific performance standard. UL performance verifies products to, uh, of course, national or international industry standards, manufacturers' proprietary standards, and uh, a couple other, you know, structured programs that uh, that are out there. And so, you know the performance verification obviously you know that it's going to meet a certain performance standard okay not necessarily a safety standard but a performance standard then there's the uh, ul component recognition uh, ul's component recognition service covers the evaluation of components or materials intended for use in a complete product or system these components are intended only for incorporation to other end-use products that may be eligible for UL's listing, classification, or certificate service. Um, so components or materials intended for use in a complete product or system. So if you're making a part that goes in somebody else's system, that's what the component recognition would go for. Go for. Um, the next one is, this is second to last, a UL functional safety listing mark. Uh, the functional safety listing mark means that UL has evaluated representative samples of product and determined they meet UL's requirements as well as the safety requirements of a published functional safety standard. Functional safety is all part of the overall safety, which depends on the correct functioning of safety-related control systems or software. Okay, so functional safety, you know, basically making sure that it is, uh, you know, it's uh, part, you know, part of the overall safety uh, is dependent upon the correct functioning of the, of the product. Um, and last but not least is the UL functional safety component recognition, um, which is, you know, component recognition service covers the evaluation of components or materials intended for use in an end product functional safety certification. So these are the six kind of the six categories that UL uh, has out there. If you've got a product that you're working with or a product that you want to that you want to use and make sure that it's that it's safe. 
Um, so, so pay attention to that. You know, it's out there for a reason. You know, we started off uh, the podcast talking about about safety, and so watch for those. Watch for those things. There's a reason that they're putting that out there. So that's a little bit of uh, info about UL that you uh, that you didn't may or may not have known about. Hopefully, you got a little bit of a uh, little bit of value out of that. Um, and one of the last things that I want to start doing is you as an electrician. One of the things that you can do is add value to your customers. Um, I talked about that in one of the previous podcasts, but you can add value to your customers and you can do that by leaving them with tips. And so you don't always have time to go out and listen and uh, gather all these tips yourself. And so I'd like to start doing that at the end of the podcast before we sign out. And so one, uh, one consumer tip that you can, that you can leave with your customers um, to, to help them out is, uh, you know, talk to them about the wiring, you know, the wiring in their house, especially if they, if they have older wiring, um, electrical fires in the home are claiming right now, right around 500 Americans each year. And, you know, uh, roughly 2,500 more are getting injured. And a lot of these are because, you know, the, the electrical systems fail, you know, there's defective appliances. Um, but mainly, you know, a lot more are caused because of the misuse or, you know, poor maintenance of their electrical appliances. You know, they're just, they're not using them correctly. And obviously you can't, we can't be babysitters out there, but you know, you can definitely give them the warnings and reminders. And that's one thing that you can do to add value. Uh, that they will see you as an expert. And that's what you should do is you could, you should be conveying yourself as an expert to your customers. Um, you know, also looking for incorrectly installed wiring that happens, you know, a lot with some scabby guys that just fly by night, come in and come out and, you know, get their money and they're gone. Um, but also with overloaded circuits and extension cords. So, uh, during a typical year, uh, home electrical problems account for roughly 68,000 fires um, and like I say almost 500 deaths but the the what's astounding is the uh, property loss that comes from that comes from these uh, you know these these fires and this damage is almost you know almost 900 million dollars uh, and so you know home home wiring causes you know twice twice as many fires as as the appliances do so the wiring is is one of the main main factors here and so being that we're in october already i mean december is just right around the corner it is it is the most dangerous month for electrical fires um because of all the indoor activities that are happening you know christmas thanksgiving you know i mean obviously we're we're right upon halloween um, you know, lots of heaters, heat blankets, you know, people are putting small, uh, space heaters in their bedrooms and some of these older houses just aren't, aren't made to do that kind of stuff. And people just aren't being smart when, uh, when they're taking care of this stuff. So, uh, one thing that I would say to you is make your customers aware of these problems. Okay. Make them aware that, you know, a 20 amp outlet is only rated for 20 amps and really should only be used up to 16 amps. If you go by the 80% rule, um, not to overload. 
And so you can send out a flyer. You know, you, if you have a mailing list of previous customers, you can do that. You can put a, you know, put a post up on Facebook. You can start a blog. You know, when, in the next podcast, I'm going to talk about social media and how, how those things can help you, uh, you know, grow your business. But, you know, you can, uh, you can get the word out there so that, so that people uh, aren't having to deal with this stuff. And, you know, 500 people a year may not sound like a lot. And 2,500 houses a year may not seem like a lot when, uh, when we're 400 million people strong in the U.S. But, you know, what if one of those 500 people was, was you or your child or your spouse or your mother or, you know, a close family member, close friend? You know, they can be prevented. We just need to take those, take those steps to do it. So, anyways... That kind of goes along with the UL stuff. You know, make sure that you're you're uh, explaining to your customers why this is so important. They need to understand the whole safety safety issue of, of electricity. A lot of people are scared of it, and it's because they don't understand it. And the more understanding people have, the the less scared they have to be, and the more respect they'll treat they'll treat these elements with. So, I appreciate you listening, and uh, you know. Listen for episode five coming up. We're going to talk about how social media can impact your business and and help you out. Even if you don't own a business, it can it can help you out with uh, you know building the the company that you do work for. If you know to help you know guarantee work in the future. I mean, even if it's not your business, you should you should still be one of your company's best salesmen and spokesmen. If you don't feel like your company is deserving of that, then maybe it's time to find a new one. But anyways, again, thanks for listening. This has been episode of episode four of the weekly buzz and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch you next time till then stay grounded.